Welcome to the Podcock Peacast. I'm your host, the only Tyler Peacock flying solo on this episode of the Podcock Peacast here. Going to talk some Major League Baseball, do little predictions and uh, preview type stuff uh, at the end of the episode. NBA playoffs will be the bulk of the show, previewing the first round matchups um, as the playoffs get started this weekend, uh, recording this on a Thursday morning. Uh, the playoffs get started Saturday. Um, still waiting out the final two play-in things. We'll talk about that, but we'll preview the NBA playoffs, let you know who I think is going to make a deep run. Got a Masters recap. Um, kind of a, a, a busy week in, in the motorsports realm last weekend. And uh, NASCAR Bristol Dirt Race this weekend, so I'll probably talk about that at at some point in the episode. But I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, and start the show, just rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. Just a, an awful tragedy. Came out last Saturday morning, uh, 11, 11.30 Eastern time, I think, is when I first saw it. Um, kind of a bizarre story. If you get into the details, I'm not going to, to do that uh, out of respect. But just 24 years old, I, I can't imagine um, his friends, his family, uh, those closest to him, um, just the the shock and hurt that that you know when that happened that caused them you just feel for all those involved and and um he had a whole life ahead of him and it's uh it's tragic obviously and it lets you know you know how precious life is so um just wanted to kind of pay my respects here on the on the show and and me individually to uh Dwayne Askins um his his friends and family um that's just man that's a tough situation all right let's um segue as as awkwardly as we can i guess here to uh kind of the the rest of the weekend recap here in segment one uh the master scotty scheffler 10 under um almost went wire to wire i mean he, he had the lead after friday the round two friday windy kind of chilly saturday cold um for Augusta, really cold, just so some weird weather situations there. Um, but really, the tournament was never in doubt. Um, hats off to Scheffler, unflappable, cool, calm, collected, um, on his way to, to winning his first green jacket, his first major. I mean, the guy has, what, four wins this year? Uh, four or five wins already, um, those being the first of his career. This guy is, is just playing some amazing golf. And uh, yeah, he um, he earned it. But I think we all kind of want to see the second nine on Sunday, uh, late afternoon. You want to see some drama. You want to see the tournament um, in the balance, or um, you know, it it being anybody's tournament or a few guys' tournament going down the stretch. And it wasn't. Um, Roy McIlroy he uh, gets solo second, uh, shot a 64 on Sunday, seven under for the tournament. Hey, Rory. Um, Maybe play good golf the first three rounds, and the green jacket could have been yours, or you could have been in the discussion. Uh, Colin Morikawa kind of made a nice charge, a uh, little too bit or too little too late on Sunday as well. Um, but I think outside of Scheffler, uh, Tiger Woods playing seventy two holes now was the car wreck in November 2020, I believe that's when it was. Was that self-inflicted? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's his fault. Um 
But, I mean, come on. The, the guy almost lost his life. Uh, there was reports or rumors that uh, maybe an amputation uh, to a lower extremity, his leg. Not to be weird or gross. Should have just said leg. Anyway, um, those were out there. So, for him to, to, to play 72 holes, I mean, he's plus 13, but Thursday, that 71 minus 1, he carded. Um, just gave you a little glimpse of... of um, not the old Tiger's never going to be the old Tiger, and I'm a huge Tiger Wood fan. So he gets me to the television to watch golf um, more than anybody ever has, and more than anybody ever will. That's just the reality of the situation. Uh, but um, I don't know. It, it gave me, and I feel like a lot of Tiger fans hope that you know he's progressing, and and maybe you know he's he's not done winning golf tournaments and, and being a factor. Now, that's probably going to be down the road, maybe next year at this time, Masters in April in 2023. He could be a legitimate threat again, but uh, just good to see him. You could tell he was uncomfortable. Uh, you could tell he wasn't right um, or where he needed to be or wanted to be, but it was just cool to, to see uh, El Tigre out there. But for the most part, the Masters, boring. I mean, uh, the scenery, the sounds, um, it signifies spring is, is here right around the corner. So it's cool to watch, uh, it from that aspect. But as for, um, compelling sake, the master stunk. All right, let's move on to motorsports. Um, NASCAR was Saturday night, was in Martinsville and talk about a boring race. Uh, Chase Elliott, I think he, what, 185, I believe, laps. He finished 10th, but he, he dominates the first two stages, wins both of those. And then um, the 24 team, William Byron, uh, they start on the pole of the restart in the final stage. Um, he goes on the lead, 212 laps, a race high, and wins the uh, Saturday night Martinsville race. Uh, Logano second, Austin Dillon third, Ryan Blaney fourth, and... Ross Chastain, I believe, came home fifth. That was your top five. But boring race. Um, I mean, the cars are just so damn good right now. Like, the braking's so good. The tires don't really fall off. Uh, the corner speeds they were carrying at Martinsville were, were incredible, honestly. But, like, even the back markers. Like, the guys running in the back that nobody really knows their names, not unless you're a NASCAR fan. <laughs> Like even those guys were were glued to the racetrack. They weren't, you know, getting tight in the in the apex, the center of the corner, and kind of had the angling out wide, uh, like you see at Martinsville, and slipping up and letting a guy uh, get under you. You really couldn't get the bumper to anybody because you could just get in so late in the corner, the car would stick. Just you know, jam the brakes real quick, get the car settled down in the corner, and just get back on the throttle. Uh, on corner exit, you really couldn't, I mean, Logano tried to get the Byron's bumper uh, late in the race, they had a restart, and he got to him, but the car was just so stable, it didn't move, um, and, I mean, he would have had the drive completely through him, and, and he couldn't get close enough, and then the final two corners, uh, three and four on the final lap, um, he didn't even come close to making contact with him to, to give him the old bump and run, so, uh, I don't know, I think the new car has been a positive in some aspects, but honestly, um, short track racing wise, uh, I they're I think honestly the tires are the biggest concern to me. Um, not enough tire fall off, and I think tire management is a, a huge factor in uh, in racing. Um, 
It's something that not all guys can figure out. Uh, the ones that can uh, have a distinct advantage, and, and we're not seeing that right now in, in the Cup Series. But this weekend we go to Bristol Dirt. That's a whole another ball of wax. We'll talk about that, I think, at the end of the show. Uh, and we move on to uh, the other part of the world, uh, Australian Grand Prix in Formula 1. Uh, Charles Leclerc, dominating weekend, uh, took pole. Um, I mean, Max Verstappen, he, he ended up DNF, and he led some of the Grand Prix, but Leclerc was clearly the best car. Uh, he gets win number two on the season. Sergio Perez from Red Bull gets second. George Russell, uh, the Mercedes-Benz driver, um, his first career podium was your top three. Um, some of the takeaways, Ferrari had an up-and-down uh, weekend. Of course, Leclerc dominating, but his teammate Carlos Sainz had a bad weekend. Thought the Mercedes teams looked a little better. Um, I mean, Alonso looked like he could have been a podium car, and then he had troubles um, in in the Alpine. Uh, the McLaren boys, uh, Ricardo and Norris, were well in the points and had the pace to stay up in the points. It wasn't a fluke strategy thing. Uh, Lewis Hamilton got fourth. George Russell got third. So uh, Mercedes maybe starting to gain a little bit um, in in this thing. Like I said, Max DNF. Uh, other rough weekends, I mentioned signs. Nicholas Latifi, um, he's just cost Williams a lot of money this year wrecking the car. Um, I don't know if the qualifying wreck was his fault, but he gets into it with Lance Stroll. And Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel, the whole Aston Martin team, just a shit weekend. I mean, Vettel, I don't even know if he completed 25 laps or 30 laps the whole weekend. Uh, crashed out and... and practice one they didn't have the car ready to go or fix for uh free practice two um then he damages the car again and, and practice three barely gets it out uh there's a red flag so it gave them additional time in qualifying he finally gets a qualifying lap set in but didn't advance through to q2 and then gets in a crash uh solo car crash just a shit weekend for for aston martin Finally, IndyCar, uh, it was at the Long Beach Grand Prix. Um, just your top three, Alex Pelot third, Roman Grosjean second, and uh, the Penske man, uh, the American Joseph Newgarden, taking home the win there for, um, uh, I believe that was round two of the IndyCar season. Uh, and they're not back for, like, I think Two weeks, three weeks. Uh, I'm not sure where they're going. F1's off this weekend. Like I said, we'll get to NASCAR and Bristol uh, at the end of the show. That's your weekend recap here on the Podcock PCAST. Let's move on to segment two. NBA playoffs are here. Let's look at this thing. We'll start in the Eastern Conference. These are the future odds to win the Eastern Conference. We'll start with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus nine thousand six hundred and four dollars. The Hawks up next plus six thousand seven hundred and ninety-four dollars. The Bulls plus four thousand five hundred and sixty-six dollars. The Toronto Raptors plus twenty two hundred and ninety-six. And here we go to the contenders. Philadelphia 76ers plus six hundred. The Brooklyn Nets plus four twenty-five. The Miami Heat plus four thirteen. The Boston Celtics plus four seventy-three. And the Milwaukee Bucks, your Eastern Conference favorites right now, to win the conference at plus $207. Let's move to the West here. The Pelicans, 
plus eleven thousand one hundred twelve dollars. The Los Angeles Clippers plus three thousand. The Minnesota Tim Minnesota Timberwolves, excuse me, plus twenty eight hundred ninety seven. The Dallas Mavericks plus fourteen thirty five. The Denver Nuggets. Oh my God, I had a stroke. The Denver Nuggets plus $1,293, the Utah Jazz plus $869, the Memphis Grizzlies plus $574, uh, the Golden State Warriors second at plus $382, and Phoenix, almost even money, plus $112 to win the Western Conference. Let's go to odds to win the NBA championship here. Start the Cavs. Oh, excuse me, and we'll start with the Pelicans. The Pelicans are plus 25,000. Both the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Atlanta Hawks at plus 15,000. The Chicago Bulls at plus 10,000. The Toronto Raptors plus $6,240. Uh, the Clippers and the Timberwolves at plus 6,000. The Dallas Mavericks at plus 3,397. The Denver Nuggets plus 3,231. The Jazz of Utah plus 2,200. The 76ers at plus 1,400. The Memphis Grizzlies plus $1,293. The Heat of Miami plus 974. Uh, the Nets at plus 874. The Celtics and the Warriors both at plus 8,000. Um, the Bucks at plus 5,000. And at plus 265 uh, is the Phoenix Suns. Um, to win the NBA championship. Let's start in the West here. Um, we'll go with the 4-5 the matchup in the first round. The Dallas Mavericks have home court advantage there. The 4 seed, they will take on the Utah Jazz. The 5 seed here. Um, Jazz, minus 303 to win the series. The Mavericks, plus 210. I think this is a 7-game series now. Luka Doncic has a... Uh, I think a, a hamstring or a quad, uh, lower body injury. Um, didn't look good, but he's had some some time to rest. Um, I don't know. I, a coin flip series here. I, I think I like Utah. I like the, the rim protection. Rudy Gobert presents. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is one of those guys I think um, can take over a game. He's a superstar. So I think it's a seven-game series. It's a coin flip. Uh, Utah despite being the fifth seed, uh, favored to win the series. I'll go with Vegas here. I'll take the Jazz to win in seven. Uh, the 3-6 matchup, we got the Golden State Warriors, the three, three seed versus the number six seed. Uh, Nuggets of Denver here. I'm seeing a Golden State minus 250 to win the series. The Nuggets plus 200 uh, to win the series. Again, uh, Nikola Jokic, MVP candidate for sure. Um, but the Nuggets, they've just kind of been beat up all year. Um, don't know about Jamal Murray's availability or Michael Porter Jr. Uh, the Warriors also have been beat up, but I think you can rely on that backcourt, obviously, Steph and Clay. Uh, I think this will be a long series, though. I think Golden State gets through. I'll take the Warriors to win in six. Um, so a 2-7 matchup, we got the Grizzlies going up against the T-Wolves who won uh, the other night in their play-in game at home. And by the way, the people getting on Minnesota for celebrating that play-in game win, get out of here. The Vikings have had just 
incredible heartbreaking defeats in the playoffs a handful of times over the course of my lifetime. I'm 33 years old. I can remember 2-3. Uh, 98, they're 15-1. They get to the NFC Championship and lose an overtime to the Falcons. Um, they have the, the, the divisional round. They, they beat the Saints on that Hail Mary play to Stephon Diggs, but the next week the Eagles just beat the brakes off from him. Um, trying to think of another one. Brett Favre in the NFC Championship game down in New Orleans. That was a tough one. Um, so, yeah. And really, the only thing I can remember Minnesota pro sports being able to celebrate uh, was Kirby Puckett hitting the walk-off and, and winning the World Series. That was in the 90s. I think that was 1990, maybe 91. So it's been a long time. Plus the Timberwolves, they've been the one Western Conference Finals uh, in their franchises. I, I think it's roughly about the same number of years. I think 32 years the Timberwolves have been around. I'm 33. So get off their ass. Anyway, this could be fun. Um, you got to have Carl Anthony Towns play better than he did the other night. Between him, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, they got a nice core there. They're a young, exciting team. But um, I like the Grizzlies here. Um, I think they, they dispatch of the T-Wolves. Uh, I think they get them out in five. Um, John Morant's unbelievable. Um, I like this young core. They got surrounding uh, Morant down there in, in Memphis. They've been damn good with and without Morant. So they've, they've built a nice team. Uh, Memphis moves on. Finally, the Suns, um, heavy favorite. I think they sweep the Clippers or the Pelicans. I mean, I just do. I think the Suns are are they're determined. They they played incredible basketball this year. Uh, Booker, this guy that could take over a game like Chris Paul, obviously can as well. Loved Aiton on the inside. Mikael Bridges. Uh, one of those kind of Swiss Army knife wing defender, three and D guys. Um, you know, the only thing the Clippers have, I think, if they get through the play-in game, if they win um, Friday night, and I don't think he's going to, but if if they pulled out the Kawhi Leonard's back in the line trump card, then that's a little scary. Him and Paul George uh, getting that team to to where a lot of people thought when a couple years ago they brought those two guys in. Uh, but other than that, I mean, come on, get out of here. And then the Pelicans, I mean, I don't think they beat the Clippers, but if they do, they're just going to be a sacrifi sacrificial lamb. Um, all right, so we'll move on to the East first-round matchups here. We'll go to the 4-5 game or series here. Uh, we got the uh, 76ers, the 4-seed, and the 5-seed, the Raptors. Uh, 76ers minus 189. The Raptors are plus 160 in this series. By the way, I, di I didn't mention uh, the Grizzlies are minus 400. The Wolves are plus 300 in that series. Obviously no series odds for uh, the 1 versus 8 matchups because we don't know those at the moment. Anyway, moving back to the East. Uh, man, M Matisse Thibault, he's a key piece for the 76ers. Uh, he's unvaxxed. Toronto still kind of strict up there in Canada. So he's going to be unavailable for at least two games. Games three and four in this series and maybe a game six. Um, I think this goes seven. I, I just Nick Nurse is a hell of a coach. I think Toronto, 
they'll they'll find a way to to get this series in a few games to where they want it. A lot of people are on the Raptors, and that kind of scares me off of them a little bit. Um, and I I got to think that Joel Embiid, who, Embiid, who's probably the MVP this year, him and James Harden, I think they'll just turn it on, and they'll figure it out. Maybe they won't, and they'll get sent home, but I got to think that tandem gets through Toronto. So I think it's a seven-game series, but... Um, I'll take the 76ers. That'll be that'll be an interesting one. Uh, the 3-6 Milwaukee, uh, the three seed and the Bulls, uh, the four seed, or the six seed, excuse me. Milwaukee is minus 1,000. Chicago's plus 700 in the series. It's a sweep. Chicago, they have been kind of ass since January. Uh, they took some injuries, and they haven't been the same. I mean, they've gotten those guys back, Caruso. Uh, DeMar DeRozan's had a hell of a year. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I no, I think Milwaukee just makes quick work of them. So they get them out. Uh, the 2-7, the, the Boston Celtics, the two-seed, and the Brooklyn Nets, the seven-seed. Oh, man. This <laughs> this is scary. Um, look at the Celtics here. Minus 149. Brooklyn's plus 120. It's almost even money. And I see the series seven games. Um... Obviously, Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant, those two guys, offensively, I don't know what you do with those two. Uh, and if they get anything from Seth Curry or or any of their, their side pieces, you know, Nick Claxton catching lobs when, you know, they, they double Durant or double Kyrie and it turns into a four-on-three situation. Like, if they get anything from these guys, uh, it's like... It's a bonus. I mean, they're so tough. But Boston, since January, they've been the best team in basketball. Defensively, that's what they hang their hat on, the Celtics. But Jason Tatum's taking that next jump uh, individually. Um, Jalen Brown's still good. Marcus Smart's kind of stepped up to be this team's point guard. The Celtics, they got a good thing going on. Defensively, they're tough. Uh, one of the best defenses in, in all of basketball. This is a seven-game series. Um, I think I take Boston to win just because they have the home floor. Uh, this is a scary series. And then the last point, I mean, he hasn't played basketball all year. And I know he's had his playoff woes. But again, I brought it up with talking about the Clippers. The Nets have a huge, it's a question mark, but the Nets have a huge trump card as well. If they fucking bring Ben Simmons in, the stuff he can do defensively and distributing the ball and being an athlete, I mean, we haven't really seen that in the playoffs. But I'm just saying the potential's there, but I don't think he's going to play. I don't even think he's been doing any, like, five-on-five -five work and practice. So, not unless they're being hush-hush and, and real coy about it, but you would think they would roll him out. It's just hard to get kind of that, those those tendencies and how you play with a guy down, uh, especially when the uh, the intensity and focus level jumps up like it does in the NBA plus. But I, I think this will be a hell of a series of Celtics in seven. Then uh, the Miami Heat's the number one seed. Uh, Atlanta-Cleveland will be the eighth seed. I think if it's Atlanta, Trey Young might be able to get hot and win a game or two. But I, I think the Heat take care of a business. Uh, if it's the Cavs or the Hawks, I'll say the Heat advance in five. 
All right, looking towards the future here. We've already gave out the future odds, but in the East, I have Bucks, and I have whoever wins the Celtics. Now, excuse me. I have Bucks over the Sixers. I can't even read my own handwriting. Got Bucks and Sixers. Uh, I got the Bucks winning the Eastern Conference and over the over the Sixers in seven. Uh, in the West, I got the Suns and the Warriors. That'd be a fun series. I got the uh, Suns getting over the hump, getting back to the NBA Finals over the Warriors. I think they get them out of there in six games. Then we get a Finals rematch, uh, and I'm I, I I think I saw that right now. If you bet it, a, a Finals rematch just them two getting out of their respective conference conferences, I think it's plus six hundred on a, on a prop bet. So that might be the best value in the playoffs. Um, but I I think the Suns get revenge. I think they're locked in. They're focused. Bucks ain't as deep as they was last year. Uh, I think it'll be a seven game series. I think both teams are very very, um, very very close and uh, are the best two teams in basketball this year. I'll, I'll take the Suns to win their first championship in seven games, and I'll say Devin Booker will be uh, Finals MVP. Now for one of the uh, omissions, not omissions, omissions. I'm, I'm about to admit something. Admissions. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but you know what I mean. I have literally watched one full NBA game this entire season. <laughs> Listen, it's gambling. It's it's throwing darts at a chalk at a, or darts at a dartboard. It's uh, playing Keno, letting the random numbers get spit out by the machine. It's playing a scratch off. If you're taking my gambling advice on the NBA playoffs, just saying. But the Cavs Nets playing game there, and I I sat down two and a half hours, watched the whole basketball game. It's a good game. It's fun. Um, I don't know. I, I'm locked in. I'm trying to say. Okay, like when these series start to get going, um, I'm locked in on the NBA playoffs. Just haven't really felt the urge to watch it. I don't know. Anyway, that's segment two. We'll be back. Segment three. I mean, you'll hear it right away. Just breaking down the fourth wall, breaking this up for some editing purposes. I'm getting way too much in the weeds. Segment three coming at you next. All right, segment three is here live. I am back after not a break for you guys, but a break for me. Uh, Major League Baseball, it's back. Been about a week since the uh, season actually uh, got going. Again, not a huge baseball fan anymore. I, I would like baseball to be back to baseball. To go on a quick rant real quick, I miss rallies. I miss hit and run. I miss steals. Get rid of the shift. Like, I know there's some people that's like, well, just, just, you know, learn how to take the ball the other way away from the shift. How about you just fucking institute a rule? Like, some guys are just Deadpool hitters. Like, I get it. They're one-dimensional, but, I, I mean, I just hate when a guy hits a ball and a guy in, like, shallow right field in between the first baseman and the second baseman or shortstop, he's playing way over. He don't even have to move. I hate that. I I don't know. That's there's just a lot. But again, much like I just got done talking about with the NBA, 
and it's going to take a while to get there. But when fall rolls around, playoff baseball, I will be there with bells on. I love, and it's a different game than the regular season game. I mean, it was just yesterday. Clayton Kershaw had 13 punch outs, 80 pitches, was clean, perfect game through seven. And I get early in the season, you're probably monitoring a guy's pitch camp, uh, especially with kind of a uh, a weird non-traditional with the lockout uh, spring training and off season. Uh, probably not as thorough as they usually are, but it's just different. It's a different game. Analytics. Um, I feel like these managers nowadays aren't actual managers. They're just a guy getting paid a salary to, to still dress up in a uniform and, and sign and turn in a lineup card to the umpire and uh, go make pitching changes when necessary or mound visits. Like I, I think like all the predetermined strategy is just based off a database of numbers. And that's fine. I like analytics. I mean, if you don't like analytics, I don't know what to tell you. Because they're not they're not going away from sports. I mean that's that's just the the age we live in. But I would still like to see some human element to the game. I guess that's my little rant. But anyway, um, baseball. I just wanted to give out some predictions. Just um, these are guesses. Um, so for my Cy Young I, in the NL, I'm going to take Aaron Nola from the Phillies, and then in the AL, I'll take Sir or uh, Jose Barrios. I just looked at the odds. Those guys are are not the not the top flight favorites, but they're not like complete long shots. So I'm just again, these are just darts on a dartboard guesses. Uh, MVP I'm gonna take Mookie Betts in the NL. I mean, I, he to me is still the best player in in baseball. Five tool player. Uh, the Dodgers will be excellent again. Um, I mean, they're loaded, but um, I'll, I'll take Mookie. And uh, I'm going to take Byron Buxton to win the AL MVP. The Twinkies, I'm high on them. Buxton's kind of a guy who's he's a little bit of a throwback. Um, his speed alone, his, his defensive ability, he's got some pops and power in his bat. Uh, I think the Twins will have a really good year. They're kind of a team I'm high on. Um, and, and I'm just throwing a flyer. And Byron Buxton, what a name. So those are my uh, Cy Young and MVP uh, picks. We'll, we'll go to the ALCS. I got the Twins getting there, and I got the White Sox getting there. Now the White Sox, um, I'm a Cubs fan, so very familiar with you, you, you build up a farm system. You build up these prospects. Going back to the Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, like that team that ultimately got over the hump, Schwarber, um, got over the hump in 2016 to win the World Series, and the White Sox kind of right in that same as as the Cubs were winning the World Series, the White Sox were getting rid of some of their old pieces. They weren't contending anymore, um, and they're building up these prospects in this farm system. Now it's here. Now these guys they have some some big league experience. Uh, experience. They're ready. They're ready to go. Um, and I think they uh, get it done. And and I think the Twins really good. I mean, get them getting Carlos Correa in the offseason is huge. Um, I think he could take them over the, that next tier. They're good. Uh, the Twins are kind of, I mean, they don't get a lot of pub. They don't get a lot of hype. They're, they're kind of like 
maybe the Oakland A's a little bit or the Rays and the AL. I feel like those three teams always get looked down on or never talked about. You just kind of forget about them. And then you pull up, you know, you pull out the newspaper for all you baseball fans out there. Uh, or you pull up your iPhone and check the standings in August late in the year. And you're like, hmm, Twins, Twins are in first place. Or the Twins are leading the wild card right now. And you're just kind of like, huh. So that, that's where I'm at with that prediction. In the uh, Na- National League, uh, I got the Dodgers getting there, and I think the Mets get there. Really like the the money the Mets have spent. I mean, if you get DeGrom back uh, and Scherzer healthy, who they signed this offseason, I mean, go ahead. I'll wait. You tell me two better one-two uh, playoff arms that, that just shove better than, than that dynamic duo right there. Go ahead. You know, I don't think it exists. So I, I think the Mets get there, but it's just tough for me to not take the Dodgers. And the the Dodgers have arms. They got offense. They got defense. They got everything you want. Uh, and then the, in the World Series, I'm going to take the Dodgers over the White Sox. Just, I mean, is it boring? Are the Dodgers probably the favorite? I haven't even really looked at the gambling markets in, in Major League Baseball. But, uh, I mean... That's, that's not crazy. It's it's probably the safe pick. It's probably water. You know what I mean? But I I, I just can't not take the Dodgers. I mean, they, they get there. They get it done. Uh, what a hell of a run they've been on. It's almost been pretty much like a decade of this, of this era straight. Of them having one of the best records in baseball. Making deep postseason runs, so the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to win your World Series in 2022. Again, though, I'm not a huge seam head, uh, and this will probably be the last time, unless Bobby or Bryce, when they get back on the show, if they bring up baseball. But this will be the last time you hear this this guy right here, the only Tiger Tyler Peacock. I can't even say my own fucking name. This will be the only time you hear this guy bring up baseball, probably on this on this very podcast that's fine though anyway segment three over fourth and final segment coming at you next all right fourth and final segment bristol dirt race for nascar is this weekend uh easter sunday night is when the main will be raced um qualifying heat races saturday night and prime time as well kind of spreading this out a bit uh the truck series i think they go friday night so nascar and bristol they've kind of changed the profile a little bit of the dirt on Bristol. But, and the next-gen car, we don't know really how it's going to go. But here's the thing. I'm a dirt racing fan, more than NASCAR, more than any other form of racing. I love sprint car racing, and I love late model racing. So if you're a dirt track racing fan like I am, just take the same approach I do. It's not going to look. It's not going to feel. It's not going to sound all of of your senses of what you're what you love what you're used to when it comes to a dirt race just throw that out the window this is kind of a novelty uh it's kind of a spectacle uh you gotta appreciate nascar and, and tip your cap to them in a sense that hey they're they're trying to pay homage to their roots when they did use to race some dirt races back in the day uh and i guess tip your cap to uh, NASCAR, because they're kind of, they're, you know, 
saying, hey, we see you. We see you, Dirt Racing. We see you, World of Outlaws. We see you, Lucas Oil Late Models, All-Star Sprints. Like, we see your popularity, uh, we're, we, and we want to try a dirt thing. Now, if I was in charge of NASCAR, would I put this at Eldora Speedway? Absolutely. I mean, that's just me being an Ohio homer. Eldora Speedway is my favorite place on the planet. Um, it's a proper dirt track. Um, Eldor, Knoxville, I mean, those type of dirt racing facilities would be better than doing it at Bristol. But Bristol's cool. Um, it's a novelty. So just for the shit show it's probably going to be, just embrace it for that. Okay? And I know it's a points race and stuff like that, so I know NASCAR is going to treat it as such. And then it's serious. But it's just, it's not a real dirt race. I mean, if you ask Kyle Larson that, who, who a guy who races NASCAR, but also has, has has jumped in a sprint car and won the biggest sprint car races in the world recently in the last year plus, has has dipped his toes in the late model waters and, and won a big late model race, like, he would tell you, hey, this ain't a real dirt race. It is what it is. Just embrace it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in front of my television Saturday night. I'm going to be in front of my television Sunday night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch the Heat Saturday. I'm going to watch the main sun, Sunday. So, and is it going to be great? I don't know. Um, I, maybe NASCAR tries to get the track a little more tackier to, to stay wet. But there's kind of a, it's a gamble to do that. Because, you know, visibility... You know, mud physically getting stuck on the windshields, mud getting stuck in uh, the grill, cars not getting air, overheating. Those those are issues that they got to kind of uh, take into consideration um, because last year, you know, it, it was just dried out and dust um, and visibility for the, for the spectators on property wasn't great, but that sometimes happens at a dirt race. I mean, if you've been to a dirt track, I'm sure. It's like, yeah. Uh, we couldn't really fucking see anything. It was dusty. That's just kind of the the, the, the reality of it. But I, I there's going to be a fine line there. But they, they've changed the profile of the racetrack. Uh, we'll have to see what these cars do. Uh, it'll be a new profile to, uh, dirt tire, I believe. I, I mean, it's not going to be a thin wall um, low profile dirt tire. I don't, I wouldn't think, but, um, I don't think it'll be exactly the same as last year's. Maybe it will. I haven't looked that up. I probably should have, but to me, this is, if you, you try to handicap the race, this is kind of a, a crapshoot. And I guess most NASCAR races, most racing is a crapshoot as it is. I mean, you could have the best car, the best pit crew, all that, and, you know, you can have a flat tire. Something out of control. Mechanical situation. You know, there's always just that chance. But, you know, it's gambling. So if you're looking at it from a gambling perspective, Kyle Larson right now is the favorite at plus 500. Christopher Christopher Bell, plus 800. Joey Logano, plus 1,000. William Byron, plus 1,200. Chase Briscoe, another dirt background guy he's plus 1300 along with chase elliott 
Uh, Martin Truex Jr. is plus 1,400. Ryan Blaney, plus 1,500. Tyler Tyler Reddick, another dirt guy. Grew up racing late model. He's at plus 1,500. Kyle Busch, plus 1,600. Alex Bowman, plus 1,800. Daniel Suarez, plus 2,500. He ran well here last year during the dirt race. Uh, Stenhouse Jr., also a dirt racing background, plus 2,500. Um, let's see scrolling here ross chastain plus 2800 kevin harvick plus 3000 austin dillon bubba wallace at plus 4000 both those guys uh kurt bush brad keselowski both at plus 5000 uh austin Cindric, eric jones at plus 6000 uh chris busher plus 8000 eric almirola plus 9000 and then you know you're justin haley you're ty dillon at plus 10000 then you're starting to get into, you know, Custer, McDowell, Harrison Burton, guys that are, would be really, really, really big-time long shots. Now, I said this last year going into this thing that Kyle Larson was going to win this thing. He's not only the best Cup Series driver, which at the point, at that point in the season last year, uh, and end up becoming true as he goes on the dominate last year and wins the, the Cup championship. But... um his dirt experience and, and the type of dirt racer he is and the type of NASCAR racer I, I thought he could be and and ultimately became, I thought it was a shoe in that he was going to win this thing hands down. Also, if you look at the odds, he's the favorite. Now, that's not going to scare me off taking him to win. Now, will he win? I don't know. There's going to be 40 cars, 38 cars, whatever the number's going to be. Takes the green flag. Um, it's going to have a, like, if it's anything like last year, this race is going to have, like, kind of a, a demo derby aspect to it. Um, so it's, it's kind of like weirdly similar to a plate race where it's just kind of be there at the end. Maybe you have a chance to win it or steal one, but I'm still going to take Larson. I mean, I feel like it's, it's just dumb for me not to, I mean, I believe in the kid, um, his, his dirt abilities, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like it's the safest pick and there's not any safe picks, but he's the safest. Going to take him to win. A couple guys I would throw in a DraftKings or FanDuel lineup or, or throw a few shekels on. I know Christopher Bell, he, he, to me, he's probably the second best guy, uh, based on, dirt racing experience and ability and, and accomplishments. So I think Christopher Bell is a guy you should uh, throw your money on. But him and Larson kind of got tangled up early in the race last year and took each other out again. It's a crapshoot, but I, I think you got to throw your money on him. Daniel Suarez ran well last year. I feel like him and Ross Chastain with that track house team, they got good equipment. I think both of those guys maybe, although... You know, not a, not any dirt experience or their only experience being uh, maybe a truck series race at Eldora and, and the cup race last year at Bristol. But those are two guys you could probably get some value on. Um, Martin Truex Jr., I feel like he was in the hunt last year. Um, he's just smooth and anything he gets into. So I feel like he's he's kind of a guy. So I'll say Larson, MTJ, Martin Truex Jr., and Bell will be my top three predictions. Uh, so and then Chastain and Suarez are guys you could kind of get some value on. Maybe throw a little 
money or put uh, Stenhouse Jr. in your lineup and him being a fellow dirt guy. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's probably going to be a shit show. But, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, maybe, just maybe, this will be, uh, you know, a spectacle of sorts. Easter night might start a new tradition. Who knows? But anyway, there you have it. I feel like we jumped around a lot, but that's good. Uh, shouldn't be too long of an episode. Rate, review, subscribe, follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Podcock PCAST. Um, available on all major and minor podcasting platforms. We don't care where you listen to it. Just share it with a friend. And uh, NFL Draft, I believe, what, a couple weeks away from now. So I imagine next week, maybe the week after leading into the draft, will probably be the next time uh, this show hits the airwaves and gets all up in your ear canals. And it'll probably be uh, some kind of NFL mock draft situation uh, talking about some of the NFL uh, off-season stuff and, and the draft kind of being that last part of uh, the acquisition period for you know, in the National Football League. So a lot to talk about. We'll get uh, we'll get Bobby and, and maybe Bryce, hopefully, both of them back in the fold um, to, to do a little draft talk the next time. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening. This has been the only Tyler Peacock for the podcast. Peacast signing off. Bye.